Good morning, family. It's good to see you on the other side of, of this camera. It's good to be together. And we're getting ready to listen to God's word this morning. It was an amazing time of worship here for the few of us that are able to be here. Uh, we've prayed before the service that as we minister to you, you that are at home, I pray that you felt the exact same thing that we felt in this place. I pray that wherever you are right now, that you will feel the comfort and the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart. And just before we, we minister the Word of God, what God has in store for us this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. I know that sometimes it's challenging to focus, really focus when we are at home and we're not at the church location, but I want us to pray because I believe that God wants to speak to our hearts. So let's prepare our hearts for God's word this morning. Lord, I pray that every ear, every heart this morning, as we listen to your word, is going to be touched by you, is going to be transformed by you. Lord, your word promises us that your word will not return to you empty, but it will fulfill every purpose for by which you have sent it. Lord, I pray this will happen again this morning. May we not leave this time together the same way as we entered, but you will do what you need to do in our hearts and lives this morning. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's get ready. And for this message series that is closing now, this message series has been so far one of my favorites. Every week I'm really looking forward into going into these stories of the Bible, these historical accounts that remind us that our God is a God of miracles. The Bible says in Psalm 86, for you are great and do great miracles. You alone are God. God is a God of miracles and Christian life is in itself miraculous. It begins with a miracle happening in our own lives when we get a new life from Jesus, and it ends up with us being made perfect, living forever with God in heaven. Now, you have to admit you being made perfect is a great miracle. The person you are living with being made perfect is an even bigger miracle. So everything around Christian life is a big miracle. But I have to say, and, and being very honest with you, that when I read about this, these miracles in the Bible, I still get a lot of questions. Questions about miracles. Questions like, why don't do more miracles happen these days? Miracles like the splitting of the Red Sea or Jesus feeding the 5,000 5, or the sun stopping in the sky. Questions like, why do we have to wait so much for miracles to happen? Why they don't just happen more quickly? And probably the biggest question of all, why don't that just one miracle happen? The miracle that I've been waiting for, the miracle that I've been praying, that little thing that if God did it, it would make my day, it would make my life. Just that one miracle, God, why that does not happen? And I would be filled with foolish pride and I wouldn't, be being I wouldn't be truthful if I told you that I had all the answers. Because miracles are all about what God is doing. It's not about what I'm doing. It's not about what you are doing. So the truth is we can always figure out the, the whys and the whens of God's miracles. 
But when I read about these miracles, and as we've been reading throughout this message series, I also get convinced. I get convinced that God wants to do miracles today. I believe that God wants to show us more miracles happening in the day of today. But that will only happen depending on how you and I are living in between miracles. And that's exactly where we spend most of our lives, in between miracles. The previous miracle and the next miracle. And that's what I'm going to share with you today as we close this message series. What does the Bible say about life in between miracles? How should we live looking forward to God's miracles? And we're going to look at the story of a man by the name of Elisha. Now you're thinking, oh, it's the same guy that Pedro spoke about the other week when he challenged 450 prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven. No, that's Elijah. We're going to talk about Elisha, and he's his less, lesser-known apprentice um, who followed him. But don't be hard on yourself because I mistake them all the time. I mix them up as well all the time. And there's a, right there a big lesson. If you want to be well-known, don't hang out with people that have a name similar to yours. <laughs> that happens with me and as a family. Uh, I have a brother-in-law whose name is... Reuben. And some of you know Reuben. So when every time, and at one point we were assistant pastors to the same pastor. So imagine that the confusion going around. Every time we have a family gathering, I hear, oh, Reuben, we both look. And half of the time it's not for me. So it's quite annoying, but that's a cross that I have to bear. Uh, so if you uh, are able to not hang out with someone that has a similar name to yours, you're going to do yourself a big favor. But I'm stuck. I, I can't do anything about it. So today we're going to look at the historical account of when Elijah, Elisha's mentor, passes off his prophetic office to Elisha. And in that moment, the Bible describes a miracle that happens. And as we see it happen, we learn three lessons from Elisha on how to live in between miracles. And the first one is very simple. The first one is live with tenacity. You have to live with tenacity. Tenacity means to grip something firmly. Determination, persistence. And let's read the word of God together in the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. And starting in verse 1, I've asked Jamil to read to us. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, that's the miracle that was going to happen, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. No, it's more. Thank you. So they went down to Bethel. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. So even though Elijah told Elisha three times, Stay here. I'm, gonna going, I'm going on. Three times Elisha replied, no, 
I'm going with you. And the lesson here is this, the miracle was going to happen at the Jordan. It wasn't going to happen at Bethel. It wasn't going to happen at Jericho. So to see the miracles that God wants to do in your life and in my life, you have to have the tenacity to go all the way to Jordan. You have to have the tenacity to take the entire journey. You have to have the tenacity to go all the way until the end. You don't stop at Bethel. You don't stop at Jericho. You have to complete the journey. Your faith can end in the first kilometer. Okay, God, I'm tired. This is enough. This is even farther than anyone else is going. I'm going to stay here. No, you go all the way. You've made a commitment and you've made a decision to stick with God for the whole journey because that is where the miracles happen. They don't happen when we give up. It do, it, they don't happen when we end, uh, we end up losing our faith. So in our own life, we can think about this. Where is God challenging you, stretching you to go farther in your faith before we actually see the miracle happening? And I know that many of us pray these prayers, Lord, please save my marriage. Lord, please bring me my spouse. Lord, please provide me with a job. And every one of us, myself included, when we pray, we want the miracle to happen now. We want the miracle to happen quickly. We don't want to wait. We want to see them immediately. We don't want to have tenacity. But the Bible shows us it doesn't happen that way. Moses was 40 years in the wilderness before he saw the Red Sea splitting up. Joshua served Moses for almost his entire lifetime as an apprentice before he conquered the city of Jericho and he, he saw the walls tumbling down. Peter walked with Jesus for three whole years before he preached and preached with such authority that over 3,000 people got saved. Paul was beaten. He had stones thrown at him and he almost died several times before he had those visions from heaven and those incredible revelations from God. So tenacity is part of the miracle. Waiting persistently is part of the miracle that God wants to do in your life and in my life and in our lives as his church. So what does tenacity look like? in the life of a Christian today. And, ta and Paul talked about it in Philippians 3.12. It says, I press on to take hold of what Jesus Christ took hold of me. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying, you have to have tenacity. You have to let God know, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna keep coming back to you. Tenacity is not about being on the mountaintop victorious, having everything figured out. Tenacity is hanging on to your faith, hanging on to the hope, even if it's the last string you hold on to it, you do not give up. Tenacity is not about being perfect. It's not about not failing. Tenacity is even if we fail, even if we stumble, even if we feel weak to believe all of God's promises, tenacity is you coming back to God time and time and time again. And that's what we need. Go back to God. 
And maybe you think about it for yourself this morning, I've had tenacity, but I haven't been having it lately. So tenacity is exactly that. Today is the day that you need to go back to God. You need to come back to God. You need to come back to him and keep walking, keep going through your journey because that is where we find the miracles. The second thing that Elisha teaches us about living in between miracles is that we need to live with sensitivity, with a sensitivity to what God is doing in the world. Let's read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 3. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know what the Lord is going to take? Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. So the Bible tells us that these prophets, these guys, they were all aware that God was going to do something. And it might sound very super spiritual of them, but it's actually something simple. You become sensitive to what you focus on. You become sensitive to uh, where you spend most of your time on. I want to believe that I'm very sensitive to Gabby and Jade because I spend most of my time with them. I'm concerned with them. And just because of that, I, I pick up things from Jade and Gabby that maybe most of you don't. But that's exactly what is happening here. These guys, they were all sensitive to what God was going to do. So how do we become more sensitive to what God is doing in the world? And two things, God's word and God's people. God gave us his word where he tells us exactly everything he's all about. Everything that he is, everything that he loves, everything that he wants us to know about himself. And when we spend time with God's word, we start understanding what God is all about. You understand what is important to him. And then because you know that, you become more sensitive to what's going on in this world. Exactly like these prophets did. But also by spending time with the church, when you spend time with God's people, God gave us his people to make us sensitive to each other's needs, attentive to each other's lives. And this is how God wants to use us. He wants to use our lives to meet the needs of others. So Elisha teaches us how to be sensitive to the things that God wants done in this world. And he does it by teaching us a very important lesson. It blew my mind this week. Miracles are an invitation to witness what God, uh, uh, sorry, miracles are an invitation to witness God doing what he wants done. Miracles are an invitation to witness God doing what he wants done. It, miracles are not about us convincing God on what we want done. It's about being sensitive to what God wants done. If miracles were about us convincing God to do something, then it would, it, it would mean that at some point God didn't want to do that miracle. And the Bible says that God is a God of miracles. God wants to do miracles, but God is going to get done what he wants done. Maybe it's not as soon as we want, but God is going to get done what he wants done. And this is where Elisha got his tenacity from. He knew what God's heart was set on doing. And when they all said, so, do you know what God is going to do today? Do you know that that is going to happen? That miracle is going to happen? Elisha's answer was, 
Don't speak of it. And it sounds strange that that was his answer, but how many times have you heard someone telling you, so today you are going to receive your miracle. You are going to meet your spouse this year. And a job opportunity is going to come to your life very, very soon. When someone brings up a topic that you're sensitive to, Elisha was like, let's not talk about it. Because if God has something to do in your life, he's not going to tell everyone else but you. God wants to tell you exactly what he wants to do in your life. And if you, don't, if you already know what God wants to do, then you don't need to hear it time and time again and brought about by other people. Sometimes we're sensitive to other people's needs just by not saying a thing. Just by being there, caring, loving them, and leave the issue in God's hands. So Elisha is teaching us we need to live with a sensitivity. Live with sensitivity to what God wants done on this world. And thirdly, we need to live with purity. This third lesson, Elisha teaches us to live in between miracles. We have to live with purity. And you see Elisha's purity on what he asked for. Jamil, if you can read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 7 to 10. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet... If you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will be not. So right here in this passage, Elisha defines purity in terms of what he wanted to be, in what he wanted to accomplish in his life. He had been an apprentice to Elijah for many, many, many years. He had seen the blessing that Elijah had, but he also saw the challenges Elijah was persecuted several times, almost killed. Sometimes Elijah struggled with depression and it, God had to bring him out of it. And still, Elisha asked for the same purpose in life that Elijah had. Even though he knew it was more responsibility than a privilege, Elijah recognizes you are asking for a difficult thing, but still, Elisha had purity in his heart to ask for it, to desire it with all his heart. We tend to define purity in terms of the things that we don't do. And of course, there will be things that we don't do because our heart is pure and we want to pursue that purity in our hearts. But just to define purity as that, as based on the things that we are not doing, that's not the true definition of purity. Purity is a single-minded ambition to do something great for God. 
Purity is a single-minded ambition to do something incredible, wonderful for God. More than achieving our own goals, our own plans, our own desires, purity is about desiring the will of God for your life. And when you do that, when you submit yourself to the will of God, when you give yourself to that something that you know that God wants done, you'll, be not, you'll not be motivated anymore by your own desires, by your own plans, by the things that you want to reach. You're motivated by the things that God wants done on this earth. And Elisha asks for a double portion of the Spirit of God. Elisha has this desire, God, I want more of you. I want to see more of you in my life. I want to be closer to you, even more closer than Elijah was. And because of this attitude, because of this desire, this heart, the Bible shows us that Elisha witnessed twice as many miracles that Elijah did. Because he had this desire to be used by God. And I pray that we have the same heart. We need to have this same purity. We want to be more used by God. We want to serve other people like Jesus did. So purity can't just be about the things that we don't do. It can't be just about us. It has to be about the things that God wants to do on this earth, the things that will make a difference in this world today, in this moment. And let me ask you this morning, what great things does God want to do in your life? The fact is, you don't have to be in full-time ministry to see God doing great things in your life. Do great things for God exactly where you are. Do great things for God in your workplace, in your school, in your family, in your neighborhood. For most of us, the great things that God wants to do are not found here inside these four walls. They have to be done outside because that is where people need to see Jesus move. That is where people need to see miracles happen. That is where the world is going to see Jesus through your life. So we need to have this single-minded ambition. You need to have this single-minded ambition to accomplish what God wants to do, to pursue the will of God for your life, doing something great for God in your business, in your school, in your studies, in your home, your job, in the things that you do, in your plans, in your goals. Let God put something great that he wants to do in your life. And I know that maybe you're thinking, you're not that kind of person that, God, maybe I don't think God is expecting me to do great things for him. I feel that I'm here, and the great things that God wants to do are here. And there is this huge gap. I'm not that person, God. Maybe you're going to use something, someone else, but that's not going to be that's not going to be me, but I'm here to tell you this morning, God wants to do great things in your life. God wants to do great things using you, through you, so that you can be a blessing to so many people. Don't put yourself down when Jesus had put yourself here. He, Jesus wants to show you the incredible, beautiful things that only you can accomplish with God. God has a plan for your life. So how do we do this? 
In practical terms, how do we pursue purity? How can we develop it? And Paul tells us something in 2 Timothy 2, a verse that talks exactly how this happens in our lives. We praise God for his word because he doesn't leave us without answers. The things that he wants us to do and know, he has told us through his word. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So this verse is exactly how purity happens in any of our lives. We run away, we run toward, and we run with. And there are things that we have to run away. We have to run away from old ways of living. We have to run away from old habits. We have to run away from temptations. And it's true, we have to run away from things. But there are other things that we have to run towards. It says here, we need to run towards righteousness, towards faith, love, and peace. We have to run towards the kind of character that God wants to develop in us, to be the kind of person that God wants us to be. The great thing about the things that God wants to do in in our lives, and maybe you can't figure out anything specific right now, but this verse tells us something where we can begin. God wants to develop our character. God wants us to pursue the things that he himself pursues. So we can start there. We can start here by becoming the people that God wants us to be. That is the greatest miracle of all a life that is transformed by the Spirit of God, that is made in the image of Christ more and more every single day. That is the greatest miracle that we need to pursue. So if you can't think about anything else that you can do for God, start here. Be the light that God wants you to be in the middle of darkness. There's nothing greater than that. And finally, another important thing, you run with. You do it with people that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. It means that if you want to become more pure, hang around with people who want to become more pure. We can't do it on our own. This is something super helpful. And I have to say very honestly, and this is not false modesty, I am who I am today because early on I hanged out with people who wanted to be more pure. I hanged out with people who inspired me and challenged me to give myself to the Lord and to develop this purity. And that's exactly what happens. People that have a passion for God in their lives. God didn't didn't make us to figure out these things on our own. He didn't call us to develop these things alone. He designed us to grow together. So you start by hanging out with other people who have this same desire. And sooner than later, you will see things happening in your own life as well. So this is how it happens. You run away, you run toward, and you run with. And there's a result that is going to start happening. This kind of purity gives you a new clarity in your life. 
You start seeing things happening that you didn't see before. You start seeing God's miracles unfolding because you weren't paying attention even before. You see the miracles that God wants to do, not just the things that you inspire, that you would love God to do. You see the things in the heart of God, in the hand of God moving in the things that he wants done on this world. And Jesus talked about this purity as well. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You need to be pure. You need to desire the will of God in order to see God. It gives you clarity of vision to see the miracles happen. Because remember, Elijah said to Elisha, if you see me when I'm taken, then you are going to receive this blessing. And what this means is if you can see what God wants to do, if you can see what God is doing, then I know that he will move in your life. I know that you will receive this blessing. And the Bible shows us that he did. If Jamil can read to us 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them apart, which was a way to express grief. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. And we didn't have time to go through the whole story, but this is the same miracle that Elijah had done on the way in. So the God of Elijah is now the God of Elisha. Elisha recognized God's presence is with me. God is with me. He is in my life. God wants to do great things in my life as well. The God of Elijah is now my God, the God of Elisha. And that's the miracle I'm praying for you and me this morning, that we're able to recognize God's presence in us, that we're able to do it for the first time, or maybe like we never did before. God's presence wants to be with you through Jesus. God's presence wants to be in your life through Jesus. And you just have to open the door of your heart. You just have to tell God, God, I'm lonely here. I have, if I don't have you, I don't have anything. Lord, I need you in my life. I need to recognize your presence. You are with me. Jesus gave his life on the cross so that you could have this relationship with Jesus, so that the presence of God would dwell on you 24-7, that you wouldn't be alone through the, the glories of life, through the hardships of life, God wants to be with you. God wants to be the God of Alana. God wants to be the God of Jamil. God wants to be the God of Don. God, God's, God wants to be the God of Reuben. He's a personal God. 
And he wants to be your personal God to develop that relationship with you. And the only thing, if you've never done it, the only thing that you need to do this morning is pray, Jesus, enter my life right now. I want you as my Lord and King. I want the presence of God in me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for transforming my life by giving your life for me on the cross. I accept you. I embrace you. I need you. Fill me with your love and your presence. And when we pray this, God reveals to you in a different way. God reveals to you he's no longer the God, just the God that created all everything, the God that is distance, the God that you don't understand. He becomes this God that lives with you. God becomes your father. And this is the privilege that we have as Christians. The presence of God that goes before us. That we don't have to understand everything that is happening. We just know that God is here. And the Bible says wherever God is, there is freedom. You are free from fear. You are free from doubts. You are free from making all of your decisions based on what you want to be done. You are free to live according to the will of God to accomplish and see in your life the miracles that God wants done. I want to experience the presence of God more in my life. I believe God wants you to experience more of his presence like never before. And I'm closing this message and I just want to say a word to those who are probably thinking right now. Reuben, I've done everything that you are saying. I've had the tenacity. I'm following Jesus. I'm doing my very best. I'm not perfect. But I'm sensitive to God. I'm reading God's word. I'm praying. I want more of God in my life. I'm trying. I've done everything that you're saying. And I believe that God covers with grace all the things that I'm not right now. But I still haven't seen the miracle. I still haven't seen the breakthrough in my life. I have two warnings for you and one invitation. The first warning is about a very dangerous thought. And the thought is, God, I've asked you for this one thing. God, I've asked you to do this. Why couldn't you do it? Why don't you do it? Because when we are stuck in this thought, when we're stuck in this way of thinking, it means that we are not focused And maybe we're even missing out on all the things that God wants to do in us, through us, and for us. So, God has a gracious plan for your life. God has a loving plan for your life. So don't get stuck in the things that you can't see yet. The Bible teaches us, be grateful for what you have. And be faithful to the things that you already know from God that he wants to do. The other warning is something that I've heard many, many times in my life, other people telling me, and even just this past week speaking with someone. It happens when you're waiting for a miracle and you end up questioning, or or someone even tells you this, if you only had enough faith, then God would do this miracle in your life. And it goes into this other thought as well. There must be something wrong in me for God not doing, for God not answering. 
The Apostle Paul once said, I've prayed three times for God to do this miracle in my body, healing my life. And God said no. And that's the thing with everything that we ask God. We ask. And sometimes God can say no. And I don't know why, but sometimes he does. And I think that Paul had faith in his life. I think Paul had enough faith to see miracles. Faith doesn't make God a genie in the bottle that we just rub and we have three wishes. God and faith does not work like a coin we put in a slot machine, we pull the lever and all, there you go, you have your miracle. So many, many, many times, miracles are not a matter of enough faith, but a matter of trusting in God's plans. So finally, I want to invite you to have audacious faith. The kind of faith that tells God, God, I don't understand it all. I understand plenty of things, but I don't understand everything that you do. Like I don't understand wind. <laughs> I don't understand many of your miracles. But today I'm deciding to trust you. Because where else would I go? Where else I would ask to? Where else am I going to do if you're not trusting you? When we declare to God, God, you're the God that has done everything. You have made everything. And in the end, I know that I will understand things better. You will unfold your mighty plans and I'll understand why you did this and why you didn't do this. So now, God, I choose to trust you. I choose tenacity. I choose sensitivity. I choose, uh, I choose to develop purity in my heart. So that's what I want to invite you to do this morning. As we close this wonderful, wonderful message series, God of Miracles, we want to end it trusting that God is a God of miracles, a God that wants to move in your life. And usually at the end of a message, that's where we need to process. That's where we need to close our eyes and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us personally, to say, the things that we need to change. And maybe you have to confess to God this morning, God, I've given up. Help me to have tenacity, renew my tenacity. Maybe you need to pray, God, I've tuned out. I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm not sensitive to the things that you want done in my life, so restore my sensitivity. Or you need to pray, Lord, I've lost track. Lord, I... I have done many things that I'm ashamed of, Lord. I'm focusing on things that I shouldn't. Help me develop purity. Help me to focus on the things that you want done. So I want to invite you to join with me in prayer now.